0: well good morning church there we go everybody's here with me now that's good you know what i want you know what i really want i want god's kingdom to come i want final justice to be had i want everything in the world that is wrong to be set right that is desperately what i want so I want you to, to play along with me. I want you to just take out your thumb, either hand, doesn't matter, right or, right or hand, uh, left hand, it does, doesn't matter. Uh, if, you, if you want justice in this area, I just want you to, to thumbs up and, and if you're like, no, that, no thumbs down or I'm not, you know, we're not ready. How many of you are ready for God's justice to be had in the number of women who are being trafficked around the world? Thumbs up yeah, I want God's kingdom there. I want His justice to be had there. How many of you are ready for God's justice to be had and in, in, in the tension between race relations and ethnicities? How many of you are ready for that? I am ready for justice to be had there. Totally. I'm ready. Let's do it. How many of you are ready? How many of you are ready for God's kingdom to come, for His justice to be had in regards to the tension that we feel between uh, people who, who have uh, opinions on political parties. How many of you are ready? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe even for that to show up on social media too, right? Let's have that. Let's, let's have God's kingdom come in that. Have His reign and rule come in that. His justice to be had in that. How many of you are ready for, for God's kingdom to come? For His justice to be had in, in the number of people around the world that, that are malnourished and undereducated? Yes! I am so ready for that. Now here's the hard one. Here's the one that maybe you don't have an answer to. Are you ready you ready? Are you absolutely ready? In your person, in your circumstance, are you ready for God's justice in your life right now? Are you ready? Are you ready for His justice to be had? Are you ready for all the wrongs to be had and uh, all the, 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 of your own struggle to be, to be righted for God's justice to be had with you? Are you, are you really ready for God's justice? for his kingdom to be had, for his reign and rule to be present, for you to stand before Jesus to say, I'm, I want justice. This morning, Luke gives us a, a parable. He gives us a, a parable that begins to, to gravitate our attention to our readiness for God's justice, our readiness for God's final coming, a readiness for, for God's final kingdom to come. You can join me in Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18 is page 731 in the few Bibles in front of you. If you don't have one, get one. Open it up, page 731. Uh, as you have already seen, you can use your smartphones in church. So if you have a Bible app, go ahead, open it up. Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, verse 1. Luke chapter 18. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. He was absolutely breaking the commands, right? The love God, love others, broken with this guy. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care about men, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for His chosen ones who cry out to Him day and night? Will He keep putting them off? I tell you, He will see that they get justice, and quickly, Uh, however, when the Son of Man comes, will He find faith on the earth? Now, over and over again in this particular passage, uh, uh, Luke kind of gravitates, he centers our attention with justice over and over again. I just want you to, to notice justice comes up over and over again. God's vindication, his, his rightness coming is, is consistent throughout this entire parable. If you look back in verse 3, uh, she is praying, grant me justice against my adversary. She's coming to the judge over and over, grant me justice, I want justice. Verse 5, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice. I will see that she has vindication. Look at verse 7, talking about God now. And will not God bring about justice for His chosen one who who cry out to Him day and night? Won't God bring justice? And and then again, in verse 8, I tell you, uh, He will see that they get their justice and quickly. Justice. God's coming Now, in order to understand this parable... In order to understand really what God is getting at, we don't have to just look at the parable itself. I really want you to see the flow of the argument. I want you to, see, I want you to begin to be able to see the, uh, the context of where this parable falls and, and how we begin to answer this question of our readiness for God's final justice. Our readiness for when God comes a final time. Look at uh, chapter 17. In chapter 17, verse 20, Jesus is asked a question. He's asked a question by the Pharisees about the coming of the kingdom of God. When would this take place? In the following context, in in fact, in verse 26, and then again in verse 28, uh, Jesus is going to highlight the example of two men who were absolutely ready for God's justice to be had. There was a moment in time when God's justice came to earth. At first, in verse 26, comes with Noah, and Noah was ready for God's justice because he was found to be faithful. And so, Noah is an example of one who was ready for God's justice. And then in verse 28, we see lots before God brings destruction on the cities. Of Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot is lifted up here as an example of one who was ready for God's justice. At the end of chapter 17, right before we go into chapter 18 in this parable, uh, Jesus tells us that there are some who are going to be ready for God's justice, and some who are not going to be ready for God's justice. Some will be taken and some will be left. Some will be ready for God's justice and some will be not. Not. And so I am asking you the question this morning, are you ready for God's justice to be had? If we look after the parable, if we look after the parable, in fact, in verse 9, we find that there is a uh, a tax collector, one who was absolutely... uh, uh, thought of in the lowest possible terms in the ancient world. A tax collector and a Pharisee, and there is only one who is ready for the coming of God's kingdom, and it's not the Pharisee. If we look then in verse 15, we find that in order to be ready for God's kingdom to come, if we are to be said to be ready for God's kingdom, uh, he says, hey, you have to be like a little child in order to be really ready for God's kingdom coming kingdom, his justice to be had. In verse 18, we see a rich ruler who is unable to give away his wealth, and we find that he is very unwilling to give away what would allow him to enter into the kingdom. He's absolutely not ready for the kingdom. And so this morning, we ask ourselves the question, what is it that makes me ready for God's kingdom? Uh, What is it that's going to prepare me well uh, for when God's kingdom is going to come? If there is a time between now and when God's kingdom comes a final time, when His justice reigns over all, how is it that I will know that I am on the right side with God? And so Luke generates the answer in this parable. And what we are going to see is that readiness for God's kingdom comes with those who are consistently faithful and those who are persistently prayerful. If we are going to be ready for God's kingdom, if we're going to be ready for His justice to be had, if we're going to be ready at that time when Jesus comes a final time and, and, and everything is set right, then we have to find ourselves faithful. It requires consistent faithfulness. Uh, Look with me at verse 8 in chapter 18. Look with me at verse 8. There's an interesting question that Jesus asks here. It has thrown scholars for a loop for for probably centuries, but it really uh, dictates the pace of all that we see. In verse 8, He asks the question, He says, when the Son of Man comes, will He find them faithful on the earth? Will He find them faithful? You see, in order to be ready for God's coming kingdom, uh, we have to be found consistently faithful. Now, what's the test of faithfulness? It's time, isn't it? I mean, it's easy, isn't it, to, to be faithful for a short time? Oh, I can be faithful when everything's going wonderfully, but man, when there begins to be a, a bits of injustice in my life, I begin to go, "Hey, hey, wait a minute. History is the test of faithfulness, isn't it? And some of you understand so so well the stings of injustice that you've had to deal with in order to try and, and, and just wrestle with faithfulness. I, I work with a work with a colleague, uh, he used to work at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Now, this guy is an outspoken Christian. He helped lead uh, on-campus groups that would go and, uh, and gather together uh, groups of Christians on the University of Nebraska-Lincoln's campus, and he was one of the leaders of that group. Uh, he was outspoken in everything that he did in regards to, to being a faithful Consistent Christian. And yet, what he constantly found was that he was being passed over for tenure. Others would, would regularly find themselves with tenure at the University of Nebraska just because uh, maybe they had a different theological bent than he did, but he constantly found himself passed over time and again. And, and, and it can be in those stingy, stinging times. That faithfulness begins to get hard. Perhaps for you. Perhaps you look at the roles in your marriage. Uh, perhaps you begin to uh, to put out maybe on a whiteboard. Okay, this is my role and this is your role. And it's not just that it's unequal. It's that it's unjust. And you are the faithful partner in your relationship, and you begin to say, God, how, how long do I have to put up with this? Oh, where is the promise of your coming? Where is your justice of oh, faithfulness? Is harder with the passing of time. Perhaps you're a student and you're on a team. And you're not getting the kind of playing time that you think that you ought to be getting. And maybe it's because the coach knows someone's dad and that dad doesn't know you. And so you are put to the end of the bench, although you know that you have the kinds of abilities that would contribute to the team. And you keep praying, God, bring your justice. And it doesn't seem to be happening. And the temptation is, I'm just going to give up this faithfulness altogether. Because it doesn't seem like anything is happening. History is the test for faithfulness, isn't it? So I suppose the question is how in the world do we remain faithful? How is it that we consistently remain faithful in the, in, in the face of injustice? How is it that we will begin to, uh, to consistently just stay faithful uh, when we know that things in life are not right? Well, not only must we remain faithful, not only must we be consistent in our faithfulness in order to be ready for God's justice, but we also have to be persistently prayerful. We have to constantly be in a state of prayer. Notice what Jesus says in verse 1. He says it right there. Plain as day, this is what this parable is about. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. You understand that prayer, a persistent prayer is the means to consistent faithfulness. Persistent prayer becomes the means to consistent faithfulness. And so how is it that we find ourselves ready for God's return? Well, we are consistently faithful by being persistently prayerful. Notice the story that Jesus tells he says there's this unjust judge. There's this widow. Now, likely the case is that she has had something stolen from her. You see, in the ancient world, there there were some sketchy rules in regards to widows' rights, and oftentimes uh, people would come in and take advantage of widows. She probably had some property taken away from her at some point in time, and she wants it back. But courts were not organized like courts are today. It was likely uh, more of a, in a marketplace, maybe down at the mall, and, the, and then the judge would stand up on a, on a stage maybe not unlike this one, and there would be proceedings of people uh, constantly, and she would be found at the back of the room, hey, hey, don't forget me. I want my justice. And she would come every single day, time after time. And the word that that Luke uses is that uh, she kind of uh, begins to beat his brow. She's wearing him down. It's like a three-year-old asking if he wants to watch a movie on the way up. Not that that ever happens in my life. Hey, can we watch a movie? Hey, can we watch a movie? Hey, can we watch a movie? No, no, no. Two minutes later, hey, can we watch a movie? What did I say two minutes ago? Well, that was then. (laughs) And she begins to just hound this guy over and over again. Uh, We get the sense like she just keeps coming, and, and, and finally she gets her justice. Now, the judge does the right thing, but for the wrong reason. And perhaps we know instinctively. Perhaps we just naturally come to this text and go, well, God couldn't possibly be uh, the unjust judge and you would be right. Because God is loving and He is kind and He is gracious and He is patient with His people and He is merciful to them. He longs to answer, God loves justice. And so what we see in the following is, yes, uh, God will bring justice to His chosen ones who cry to Him day and night. He is merciful to them. Yes! But perhaps what we have seen, or perhaps what we have missed, is that oftentimes, at least how I have been taught this parable in the past, is that if I just pray hard enough and I just pray long enough, if I just pray right enough, then God will have to answer me. That somehow we get the idea that God is gracious, that God is kind, that He loves mercy and loves justice, that He is patient with me, and that somehow uh, if we just keep beating His brow... If we just wear him out with prayer, that he will have to give me what it is that I want. But that's not the God of the Bible. Prayer is never used with God as a lever or a tool to make him do what we want. You understand that prayer is not a prayer between peers. God is not my peer. He is not my colleague in the sense of we're equals. When we pray, we pray to the God of the universe, the One who created something out of nothing, do you understand that? And so when we pray, and we pray persistently, we pray not persistently so that God will give me what it is that I want. No, no. We pray God's kingdom come and His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is it that we're praying persistently for? It's not prayer in general that Luke is talking about. He's not just simply saying pray and keep on praying. He's saying pray and keep on praying that God's justice would come to earth. You remember what Jesus said when He taught the disciples how to pray? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What he is saying here is when you persistently pray, God, let your kingdom come and your will be done, that the the natural flow of that prayer is going to be a consistency in your faithfulness. You see, prayer, persistent prayer, persistent prayer for God's kingdom to come to earth is the means by which you are found faithful. Perhaps the question that we could end with in verse 8 is, will God find them praying? You see... Prayer is wonderful. But will we pray God's kingdom come and his will be done persistently? God, will you bring justice with the malnourished? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Will we persistently pray that? God, will you bring Will you bring for those women who are being trafficked, will you bring justice, let your will be done? Uh, maybe, maybe even in between our interpersonal relationships, maybe even with someone else in this room, Lord, uh, for, those, for those people in the church who have a tendency to, get a, uh, to, to not get along, to disagree, Will you let your justice be had with them? Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. And no matter what happens, will we continue to pray God's justice be done? You see, the very presence of injustice in our life ought to persistently lead us to pray for God's justice. And in leading us to pray for God's justice, we are being faithful. You see, to give up in prayer is to give up on God. And if I give up on God, then I'm not being faithful. Now, something else that this persistent prayer ought to do for us, it ought to lead us to the thing that we're praying to. It ought to lead us into activity. You see, oftentimes we think of God's kingdom as like a static, right? It's like this concept way up here. Oh yeah, I went to church and I heard about God's kingdom. Yeah, it's way up here. It's like a big castle in the sky, right? No. When we talk about God's kingdom. God's kingdom is what it looks like when God's people act like He's in charge. That's God's kingdom. Uh, Notice what uh, Jesus says in chapter 17, verse 21 to the disciples. He says, The kingdom of God doesn't come with your careful observation, nor will people say here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. You see, the whole concept of the kingdom of God is that when God gives us this Holy Spirit that only He can give, and we begin to live out God's rule, His lordship, if you will, His mastery over our lives in our relationships, in our social circumstances, uh, at work, at school, at home. When we make decisions that are like God is making the decision, uh, we are bringing the kingdom to bear. And so when we begin to pray, Lord, let your justice be had in this relationship, what we're doing is saying, ah, now I need to jump in there. So let me give you an example. Let's say that you have been praying, God, uh, would you just eliminate hunger on the earth? Do you think God wants that? You all said earlier, thumbs up. Yes, absolutely. The malnourished and the undereducated, I want justice. Well, when you begin to pray that prayer, you better be ready to do something about it. That's God's reign and rule coming through you. And so perhaps it is that you find an organization that you can get behind and you say, I'm going to sponsor a kid. And it may not be a lot, but I'm going to make sure that every day that child has a meal and they have opportunity for education because I am going to be a part of watching God's kingdom come into the earth. Are you with me? It's the practice. This morning... I got up, I got ready. Things are crazy at our house on Sunday morning. I was eating breakfast, I got done, we were trying to get the kids to the car, and I pull out my cell phone. And there was a text message from Josh. And I went, ugh. Joanne looked at me and she said, what's wrong? I said, I can't imagine tragedy hitting one family like it does. Verlinda Ward passed away early this morning. She's been a member of the church for a long time. She was our custodian. She's had heart trouble. And as Josh and I began to visit about the message this morning... I said, you know what the problem is, Josh, about prayer sermons? We don't stop and pray. We have an opportunity this morning to practice what we preach. That if we believe in praying and persistently praying that God's justice would be had, we have an opportunity to gather together. And pray collectively that God's justice would be had in this. That God's justice would be had for Thomas and the kids. And you have an opportunity, perhaps as someone that knows them, to step into that and act it out and say, I'm going to make sure that I do whatever I can do to bring the kingdom to reign there. So here's what I'm going to ask. It's going to seem like an eternity You can pray by yourself. You can pray with two or three next to you. It doesn't matter. But I'm going to give you two minutes. At the end of the two minutes, I'll begin praying. And then we'll finish. So, I'm setting my watch. The two minutes begins right now. Would you pray? Would you pray God's justice? Would you pray God's kingdom for the Ward family beginning Right now. Gracious God. We lift up this family and we pray that your justice will be had there. We pray that in light of a loss. In light of this. Death. That you will raise from the ashes justice. Lord, we pray that your kingdom would come. We pray it would come now for the Ward family. We pray that, that the church could be an extension of your arm and that the kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, our prayer is for them and for all of us that we would persistently pray and be found consistently faithful. Lord, make us ready for your justice make us ready for that day when you will come a final time and act through us however you will to bring your reign and rule today. May that be for the Ward family. May that be for women who are being trafficked. May that be for domestic violence. May that be for relationships that are unequal and unjust may it be to the hungry and the malnourished and the undereducated around the world and may it be for us help us to persistently pray and be consistently faithful we love you Lord And it's in Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen.